Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Stand when you find it for the reading of God's word. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am to be, to, that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand, or on my left, is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called unto them and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercised dominion over them, and that they and that they are great, exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Thank you, and you may be seated. Pastor. All right, let's take a little bit of time of prayer, and I'll close this up here in just a minute. Father, it's good to be in your house again tonight, and we thank you for the opportunity. And uh, Father, we just ask you to uh, just, uh, as we open your word here in just a little bit, Father, that you just teach us tonight. You'd you'd help us, you would mold us, you would correct us and instruct us. Lord, that we would, uh, Lord, just be servants, uh, Lord, that are usable to thee. And Father, would you help us in that tonight? We pray for those who have not been able to be here tonight. We ask you to just comfort them and, and uh, Lord, restore them to health. And and uh, uh, pray for those that will be watching online that you'd bless. And pray for those that uh, maybe just didn't choose to come today, tonight. And, Lord, that you'd work in their heart as well. And, Father, we pray that everything they've done tonight would just be glorifying to thee. 
and that we'd remember, Father, why we're here tonight. Lord, help us not to make this just another uh, just another act of tradition that we do on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And, and I am thankful, so thankful for those that are faithful. But Lord, would you help us uh, to make sure we don't get stuck in a rut of what we do and uh, miss what you're trying to do because of it. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we're looking forward to what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand one more time and turn to page 443. Let's sing the first, second, fourth, and fifth.
peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweet One of my favorite songs, and uh, so much of the world is looking for, and sadly, so much of what God's children end up looking for as well when they get... (laughs) It's like the peace, you know. You you are, you you have peace, and at times we we get away, and and uh, but boy, we you know when it's gone sometimes, don't you? You sure do. Get away from the Lord, and I'm so thankful for that peace, peace that passeth all understanding, and He is our peace. The Bible says we're thankful for that, and we have peace. We are going into chapter twenty of Matthew tonight, Matthew chapter twenty, and. Uh, it is, uh, I'm on, good. It is kind of staggering to look and see if you ever spend some time doing this. I don't know why you would, but I did, uh, to go online and look at some of the richest pastors in the United States and see what their net worth is. It's pretty staggering, actually. Of course, yeah. Kenneth Copeland, of course, I mean, he's right up there, 300 million. 300 million net worth, right? And uh, most of that other money that he doesn't count is ministry, I'm sure. And uh, he claims to be worth toward, towards a billion dollars. So, very interesting. Joel Osteen, no no shocker, 100 million. Andy Stanley, he's doing pretty good, pulling in 45 million. He's doing all right. Uh, Rick Warren's about 25 million. Uh, John MacArthur is about 15 million. He's done pretty good, written a lot of books. Franklin Graham, 10 million. Not bad. Uh, kind of not as good as old Ken up top here, Copeland, but uh, Chuck Swindoll, he's just a lightweight at about five million, and uh, John Hagee, he's got a he's got a uh, I know he's got he's got to have warehouses full of books for from the Three Blood Moons or whatever that didn't come to pass. He probably lost a little bit on that book, but he's still worth about five million, and uh, 
he could have done more if he preached more in prosperity, I'm sure. But uh, and then uh, Dan Davidson was no, that's not the right one. Hold on, that's not right. <laughs> nope. Three dollars ninety-eight cents. I had to write that in there. Okay, and. Uh, <laughs> These uh, these faith leaders, I mean, they have a lot of power. They have a lot of power. They have a lot of clout. They have access to governors. They have access to presidents at times. They dominate the airwaves. They dominate the radio waves. They write books. Uh, people are waiting to buy them. You see them in Walmart. You see them at uh, wherever you buy books and things like that online. Barnes and Noble, things like that. They've got books all over the place. I mean, they are just, they are really at a place of power and uh, prestige. And, and certainly this prominence is what, makes the greatest leaders, right? Or is it something else? I mean, obviously, they are where they are because, uh, because there's, they are powerful. And they are where they are because of uh, a lot of different reasons. But is where they are and what they have, is that really... Is that really what makes the greatest leaders, or is it something else? Is it something else? Tonight, Jesus is going to teach us us what it is that stands out among the greatest leaders in the churches. And let me say this. You can have a hundred million and still have what Jesus requires to be a great leader. These are not exclusive saying well if you have this you can't do this but we're going to look at this tonight real quickly and in in, uh it's a a short message tonight you're going to get out all those that didn't come because they're afraid of rain could have got out before the rain and we're giving away a hundred dollars and so uh just kidding And so uh, I want you to notice verse 20. We see a mother's request here. There's an old saying of Jewish mothers, and they say, uh, your wife may not always be your wife, but your mother's your mother the rest of your life, right? And uh, boy, they are too. Here she is, the mother of Zebedee's sons, right? Uh, You have uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And here's their mother coming along, and she's coming to ask Jesus a request of him. And she's asking him, can my sons, would it be possible if my sons sit at your right hand and at your left hand in your kingdom? Now, actually... This isn't a horrible question considering what Jesus has already taught them. And we see here that the mother of, of, of James and John, uh, she was a follower of Jesus Christ. You're going to see her name again at the crucifixion with the other women that are there waiting and, and watching this crucifixion. No doubt she has been following along and listening. And over in that Matthew chapter 19, just back a... A, uh, just back a chapter in verse 28, L- look, what he, uh, look what he says here, just, just right over here to the left. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
So she's not far off and asking for a position for her son, in a sense, because in one way she's believed what Jesus has taught. She has faith in what he has said. She, he, he has said uh, that the, the, the apostles are going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel, and she believes this. So she's coming along now and saying, hey, would it be okay, right, if little, if little Jimmy and John... One could be at your right hand, and one could be at your left, okay? And she just wants her boys to be next to Jesus, right? Uh, or is it maybe she, want them, she wants them to have a little more power and prominence? I'm sure that's probably some of it that has, that has to do there. And so she's asked this question of the Lord Jesus. And so here we see in verse 22, Jesus has a question for them. Now, you can watch the shift here. He's not talking to her because now you can tell because of who answers her. The boys are going to answer Jesus. So Jesus is asking the boys. Maybe they put their mom up to it. I don't know. Or maybe she was just being a mom and saying, hey, can you, can you elevate my boys? They're good boys. They're the best, right? Yeah. You ever notice of all of the Men in prison, the mothers never think they've ever done a thing wrong. Oh, no, no, he never did a thing. No, no, got a rap sheet 25 miles long. Oh, he's a good boy. He's a good boy, right? Well, no, he's not, right? And so, oh, I better move on. So Jesus has a question. Here's Jesus' question for, the, for, for them. Look at here. Uh, no, ye know not what you ask watch you don't even know what you're asking because sometimes with position comes a lot of problems you don't even know what you're asking look what he says are ye able to drink of the cup that i shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that i am baptized with right of course they have no idea of course they don't know what comes with a position. Of course they don't know what comes with, with, with uh, uh, wanting a place uh, like they're wanting. Of course they don't know what that is. And of course they, they are never going to drink the exact cup that Jesus, Jesus drank of, right? They're never going to become sin for mankind. Of course they're not going to do that. Of course they're not going to be baptized with the baptism that Jesus was baptized with. Of course they're not going to experience the wrath of God on them that Jesus had to experience. But they say here, yes, yes, we can. Yes, we can do this. It's, you know, we, we are able, they said. Kind of a, now, I don't know how much time is in, in between here, but it, it seems in this, this is a one discourse, right? It is one lesson, so it seems like the response is pretty quick. Like, yeah, we're able. We're ready. <laughs> Maybe they hadn't thought about it or they'd been thinking about whatever their mom was going to do. I don't know. But, but he asked them, can you this? And they say, yes. Now, now wait a minute. Jesus is right. If they can answer yes to this, they really don't know what they're in for. (laughs) I'm thankful God doesn't sit down when you get saved and say, okay, here's what I have for you. Here's what I'm going to want you to do in in the kingdom. And here's what I want you to do in my church. And this is what's going to happen when you say yes. I'm just going to let you know. 
There's going to be those that are just going to kind of walk away from you. There are going to be those that just don't like what you do. There are going to be those that come against you. There's going to be uh, all of these things that I, I'm glad that God doesn't come to us and enlist everything. I'm glad when God called, aren't you glad when God called you to preach? He didn't sit down and tell you everything, all of the loneliness and all, all of the troubles and the people that come against you and the, and the, the people that are, that are the best you ever had that move away and then, and then gets replaced with what, not the best you ever had and all of these, I mean, oh no. And I'm just telling you, I mean, God doesn't tell you everything that's going on, right? They don't know and it's, and it's a good thing. And uh, they don't really know what they're asking. They don't know what they're saying. And here in verse 23, though, Jesus is going to tell them their future. He does agree with them to a way. He says, ye shall indeed, look at this, ye shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Right? They're not going to drink all of what Jesus drank. They're not going to be baptized exactly, exactly the same way. That's not what, exactly what he's talking about. Watch. But they are going to experience persecution and death and rejection just like the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you something. Go over to John chapter 15. Because Jesus did warn them and he warns us and he prepares us for this very thing. Look at verse 18. Jesus tells them, If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. All right. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Well, I think that's pretty plain, isn't it? Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. And Jesus has warned them, and it's a good reminder for us as well, right, that we are going to drink of a cup, and we're going to be baptized with the baptism of persecution and rejection, right? They, you know, what, what, what were we told? They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer a persecution. It's a part of the Christian life. It really is. Rejection of, uh, uh, by the world is a part of the Christian life. I'm thankful we live in a nation that we don't experience the kind of, the kind of rejection of the world that other parts of the world experience, but it's still here. It's, it's not to the same level in some places, but it's still here. Betrayal is a part of the Christian life. It's just what it is. And I'm telling you, when Jesus said here in verse 23, ye shall drink indeed, it was a fact. He was telling them, you are going to experience what I have experienced. And over in Acts chapter 12, you can see this. It was Herod who killed, had James killed. And then he said, wow, when he saw it pleased the Jews, he went in his head and took Peter as well. And he was going to, I think he was going to wipe Peter out as, as well, except God intervened there. James, hey, th this James here is going to be the, 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 the brother of John, not Jesus' brother, but a half-brother. But the, James, the brother of John, this James is going to be the first martyr. Jesus said, ye shall indeed, right, drink of my cup. John was going to be probably one of the last living uh, 
the, the last living, uh, what's he, that guy called? Apostle. <laughs> but he wasn't going to have a cakewalk. Exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Right? He suffered persecution as well. He's telling them, you are going to suffer. You are going to suffer. And he says here in verse 23, look what he goes on to say, but you're going to experience what I'm, some of what I'm experiencing. You're going to identify with me in suffering. All right. You, but even though we're going to be identified, you're going to be identified with me in these things. Look, but to sit on my right hand and on my left, it's not mine, is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. There will be 12 apostles reigning with the Lord Jesus, uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There will be somebody, per se, on the right hand and on the left hand. He says here, uh, again in verse 23, But it shall be given to them for whom it pertaineth of my Father. It will be meted out to somebody, but it's not up to me, it's up to my Father. So after correcting this, Jesus takes this opportunity now to do a little education. He's going to teach his disciples. He's going to teach them something here. And I want you to see here in verses 25 through 29, Jesus, his qualifications for being chief, his qualifications here for being great, right? Among the churches. I want to remind you of something. I'm going to back up here real quick before we get to this. And I want to show you and remind you where we've been here on this uh, little, on this road that Jesus is on heading to Calvary. Remember I told you he, it, it was after the Mount of Transfiguration that came off the mountain. And now he is making his way to Calvary. And uh, all along the way, he has been teaching his disciples. He's been preparing these apostles for his departure. And he's, he was uh, getting them ready uh, to, to be able to take over when, when he was gone. And so here he is on his way. And remember what he has taught them. Let me just give you some bullet points what he has taught them. He has taught them already that, that the child is the greatest in the kingdom. Because it's that childlike faith that he is talking about. He has taught them to forgive like God forgives. He has taught them already that it was never God's plan for husbands and wives to, to divorce. He has taught the through the rich young ruler, he has taught them that covetousness and the love of riches is a hindrance to entering the kingdom of God. He has taught them that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he has taught them that those who labor in his vineyard from trust and reliance and just trusting the character of the one who owns the vineyard will be rewarded better than those that have that, that have to negotiate before they go out and labor. Now this is the last little place here we see in this line of teaching that we're going to see. And, and Jesus is going to teach them a lesson, watch, that is a common thread of all of these other lessons that we've just looked at. There's a common thread here. Look what he says in verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. 
So he said, you can look out in the Roman world, this Gentile world, you can look out at Rome that occupies the land right now and you can see how they rule. The one who is the, the greatest has dominion over everybody. The one who is the, who, who are those that are great the, in the world's eyes? Well, the one that is rich, the one that is strong, the one that is intelligent, the one that is, in, that is powerful. No, those are the ones that rule in the world, right? The, the, the intelligentsia. You, you look at the, these guys like Elon Musk, who's just uh, these brilliant minds, and they rise up into places uh, of, of great, uh, great dominion and, and uh, position. Those that are rich and wealthy, you'll never, you'll never see somebody from the, from the hills of the Ozarks with two pennies to rub together, walking the halls of Congress and helping out on writing a bill. And I, I do think, I, I have wondered, you know, uh, uh, intelligentsia has run our country for quite a while now. I wonder if I thought maybe we ought to let the dumb people try it, right? And just see, see how that goes. Could it be worse? I don't know. Maybe it could be. I don't know, you know. But I kind of, I'm wondering. It may not be worse. You go through there and you look at the rich and the wealthy that have dominion. The wealthy, the strong, that have dominion, the powerful, that have dominion in our, in, in, our, in our place. And it's so true today. And it's true in the world that we live in. Why does the billionaire seek more? Well, it's, money, it's power. It's power and control. Why does the politician stay in, 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 in office until they're 80 and 90 years old? You see that, 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 uh, that skeleton from, from California. They're wheeling around in the wheelchair now to uh, Feinstein. I mean, she's, she's barely living. And it's, a, it's, a, it's disgusting what they do with some of these. I know it's a vote and she's, I, I get it. They're what they, what they do. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. But it's power. It's power. I've thought many times. I've I've looked at some of those, those uh, those who, uh, uh, who who stay in power, like the Pelosi's and something like. You're 85 years old. You have millions upon millions of dollars. Why don't you go home and just do something and do, go do something else? That's power. It's power, right? You've seen the questions. How does the congressman who makes $175,000 a year and has done nothing else his whole life but that end up with millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars? I'd like to figure it out. Right? They need, they need to write a book on how they do that. <laughs> but uh, this is the world we live in, right? Those, listen, those with the money, those with the brains... Those with the power, those with the connections, they rule over us. They, they, they rule. Yeah. But Jesus says in verse 26, this is not so among you. Look at this. But it shall not be so among you. I, w- I, want, you to, I want to point something out here to you in this, in this narrative here. Jesus doesn't mention the kingdom of God here. He doesn't mention the kingdom of God anywhere here. He says, this shall not be so among you. He's talking about how we operate in a church. This is his church. This is his church. He started, right? We don't 
I mean, the Bible doesn't teach that the church started at Pentecost. He started it when he called them out and he empowered it at Pentecost. But his church exists here. And, and, and there's no mention of, of the kingdom right here in this area. From the top of chapter 20, he's talking about, about the kingdom of God. We understand these, these, this parable here in, in the first of chapter 20. But now we go to an, exact, an actual ex, uh, event when these boys' mothers show up and want a position for them. And he tells them, it shall not be so among you but whosoever will be great among you let him be your minister and whosoever shall be chief among you let him be your servant right so he's talking to the church hey in the church setting in the church the the one that is great the one that's going to be great is the one who is the minister the one who is going to be chief well, that's going to be the, he's the one who's the servant. The servant is going to be chief. The minister is going to be great. The minister there, diakonos, where we get that word deacon from. It is a servant. It's like one who waits a table. That's why it's so funny when people get all, all up, up in arms about the position of a, the place and the role of a deacon. It's like, well, they don't have authority. They're servants. They're servants. Diakonos. But notice this, he that is chief, he that is great is the minister, he that is chief is the servant. That's that word doulos. That's a slave. That's a slave. No, it's not the waiter at the table who might get some, some money for serving. And they, they serve and they, they get, get paid for it. This is the slave. He says, watch, find that one among you who has a lifestyle like the slave, who has an attitude and a heart and a mannerism as a servant, and make them your chief, and make that person your, your uh, great among you. Pick out that one. Boy, it came to my mind when they were picking out some, some, uh, some I guess you could call deacons here in the first church, and the apostles said, uh, you know, we don't have time to, to serve tables. We need to be in the Word. So they said, choose you out seven men, right? And they chose out Stephen, what did it say, who was full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, he was a godly man. And when you see it, when he was debating those, boy, he could, he knew the Word of God and he knew everything about it. And he was what? He was a, he was a servant. He was a godly man. He was full of the Holy Spirit of God. Choose those type of people out. Pick those people, the ones that are close to God, the ones that walk with God. Oh, not the ones that just want a position. Not just the ones that the, the ones that they just they just have to have their name on the roll for some type of job. Well, I gotta be I gotta be this and I gotta be that and I I need to be this. If they don't get voted for it one year, they pout for the rest of the year. I'm telling. Oh, come on now. That's not a servant. And it's, you know, it's probably a good thing that he didn't voted in because Jesus said, don't pick them out among you. Yeah. Find the one that sits in the background and is just happy to sit in the background. When you give them something to do, they're happy to do it. Find that one. Find that one. Make him, make him chief. Make them, make them in the position. Yeah. It's the one who lives like the servant. The one who lives like a servant. The one whose life is like... That, that just that servant attitude, almost like a, almost like a slave, almost like whatever. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Make him chief. Yeah. Why? Because that is the same life. Are we listening? That is the same life that marked the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Do you really want people in your church who are not Christ-like in charge of things? What did Jesus do? Well, he left heaven. That's pretty big. We, we, We can't even comprehend that. When we die one of these days... And we're in his presence. I think maybe we got to look around and go, whoa, you left this? We can't even comprehend it. Not at all. He left heaven, right? He put on human flesh. When we see the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory, we're going to go, you put on this? Yeah. Humility. He put on human flesh. He went to people... He, right. We know what we are when we're not even pleased with us, and we don't even know the we don't even know how bad we really are. And he does. And he came to us. He healed. He fed. He forgave sin. He had nowhere to call home. He says he says the, the foxes have a place, you know, and birds have a place, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And then he went and ascended Calvary. Boy. Now, that's a servant. Why? He said, I came to do thy will, O God. He came to do the will of his Father. That was the only thing. Look at verse, Look what he says in verse 28. Here it is. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Yeah. That's a plague in our churches today. People pretty much come to church to be ministered to. Right? That's why they're hopping all over the place. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking for something that fits me. I'm looking for something that fits me. I'm looking for somewhere where I can get what I need, where my kids can have what they need. And I, How about we stop that and switch thinking to, let me find where God wants me to be that I can plug in and serve where God wants me to serve. That'd be a great idea. You know what? When you have a church of people with that attitude, it changes the whole church. Changes the whole atmosphere. It, wait, it makes it look like a, a body kind of like, I don't know, Christ. <laughs> yeah. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He paid with his life right, to get somebody else off, you and I. So I'm sure you see it here, the common thread. The common thread through Jesus' preparation of his disciples is humility and servanthood. That life, that attitude, that pattern of living of a servant. Right? You've got to lower yourself to serve a child, to forgive like God, to enter the kingdom of God. To labor without negotiating. Right? Say, well, we don't negotiate with God now. Oh, yes, you do. (laughs) Yes, we do. Right? Right. Well, I'd serve, but I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Yeah. Oh, I've gotten the text messages before. Thankfully, not, not now I don't get those. But I've gotten them. We sure would like you to do this. This would be great. Get the text message. Well, I think we, I'd rather do this. 
That's not a servant. <laughs> Where was I at? Oh, to labor without negotiating. I had to write all this down. To reign in an elevated position. On the left hand or on the right, like we're seeing tonight. No, you know, you, you, you come to that place not through power, not through money, not, not through uh, uh, prestige or anything like that. You come there through a life of humility and servanthood. Jesus is going to reign. The apostles are going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. There is going to be somebody on his left hand and on his right hand, but that's going to be left up to the Father. We know that. But it is going to be the one who is the servant. It is the one who had the attitude of slave is going to be there. And you know what? In the church, it's those who are going to be the Sunday school teachers. It's those who will be deacons. It's those who will be trustees. It's those who will be treasurers. No, no, those, Jesus says, find the servant and put them there. Find the servant. The ones that don't desire a position. (laughs) The ones that just don't have, they don't have to have, you know. It's like they have to have something. And I, I don't hear it. Maybe it's, this is getting preached. Maybe it's in somebody's heart, and I don't know about it. Lord knows. But it's like, watch though. You don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want somebody hungry for power. Yeah. Those who have a heart of humility. Those are the ones that you put among you. I want you to ask yourself a question tonight. If Jesus was choosing somebody for a position of power, a position, a position of authority, a position, however, whatever it is in this church, if Jesus was the one choosing, would he choose you or I? Because we have a heart of humility and servant. Hood, service. We're like at the heart of a servant. But he chooses us. Are you a servant? Are you a servant? Yeah. Are you a servant? Yeah. Are, are, are there things to that I can kind of kind of looking my life over to see if I'm a servant or not. I kind of think I am. I feel like I have a servant attitude, right? I don't know. Does a, does a servant decide when they obey God? Does a servant decide how they will obey God, right? You know. Oh, listen, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we do everything immediately exactly with the right attitude. I'm not saying that we always fall in place where we ought to. But, you know, it's just, it seems like uh, the plague, like I said earlier, that we're dealing with in churches around us, that we see it everywhere, is uh, just the servants are gone. And everybody gets to decide what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. It's not very, that's not, it's not a life marked by humility, right? We're called to be like Christ. 
We're called to be servants. What we need in Crimson Avenue Baptist Church from right here behind the pulpit all the way to the back of the room, we just need everybody to live a life of a servant, to be like Christ. How do I do that? I don't know. you got the indwelling Holy Spirit. There you go. A life of a servant. No, I, th- I think it ought to be on, on, on our mind. It ought to be in our heart. It ought to be something we ask ourselves, that we question ourselves. Am I a servant? Do I, do I serve God? Yeah. Somebody said this one time, you'll know if you're a servant by how you respond when you're treated like one. <laughs> I don't know about you tonight. I just, uh, I just think servanthood in our culture is such a foreign thing, and uh, I don't know about you. When you watch the world that is trying to vie for their position and get what they want and trying to get all they can and and get around and do all they want. Just, it's so unbecoming on a Christian. It's so unbecoming in a church. In a church. We should have a servant attitude. We need servants. We all need to be servants. Ready to do whatever needs to be done. Ready to serve. Ready to humble ourselves. Ready to work. Ready to labor. Right. With the right attitude. May God help us tonight as a church to continue on a path of being the best servants we can be. Yeah. I'm thankful for so many servants. But Lord, obviously, obviously the Lord is is challenging us. Maybe some, maybe some he's challenging to to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To inspect their own heart and their life and kind of look over their life and see am I really a servant or have I gotten self-centered? And, and trying to more concerned about me. Yeah. Or maybe there's somebody here tonight and, and uh, you've been guilty of just kind of all for me and me for all. And I've got to have this and I've got to do this. And if my little uh, position is moved or something happens and I don't like it and, and I get upset and I get angry and I get mad. and Listen, it's not the life of a servant. The Lord is obviously pleased with that or else he would not have <laughs> made sure this was recorded tonight in, in our text tonight. And I just want to challenge us all. Uh, we need to be a life of humility. Oh, it's so weird in this world to live that way. I know it is. It means I'm just going to be run over and made a doormat. We might call Jesus a doormat. He was pretty run over. <laughs> and I'm not saying you just let everything go, but uh, our servant attitude te- uh, te- tempers a lot of ways we could react the way we should in ways we you know in the ways we shouldn't react. We just need to be uh, a servant tonight. Uh, let's pray tonight. Christ-like, Christ-like.
servants of God. God, would you help us in that, Father? Would you help us to be servants, better servants? I'm thankful that we are servants of the King. I'm so thankful, Lord, that in, in your church, uh, there's so much that needs to be done, and we're all on the we're all of the, here joined to this body and there's work to be done and labor to be done and doors to be knocked and people to be reached and, and classes to be built and things to do. And, and Lord, uh, Lord, we, we need to have a servant attitude and a servant's heart to do all, get all of this done. Would you do that in our hearts tonight, Lord? Just help us. And if there's anything in our heart tonight, God, that is... Uh, keeping us from a heart of humility and, and living like this. Lord, would you just point that out tonight that we would get it right with you and agree with you quickly and allow you to do the work in our heart that you want. Would you make us servants tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight and the instrument's going to play and have the Lord spoken to you. Are you, are you a servant? If Jesus needed to pick somebody out for something in this church, would he pick you? I think we ought to all ask ourselves that. Would he look at you and say, that you, you, you have a servant attitude. I want you to do this. You have a heart of humility. Well, tomorrow night starts the uh, outdoor revival. Please be praying for that. And and uh, what I'd have you ask you to do, I well, we'll boy, kind of need to wait to see what the uh, what the rain does and if it dries out enough. I was I was hoping uh, some of not not all of us, but some of us may park in the grass closer to the tent, so people more people can use the parking lot and not have to be. I don't want that to get full and other visitors looking for places to go and stuff. And so uh, several of us will try to just park up by the, the tent on the, on the grass area and things like that. And uh, so be praying and praying about that. I'll be here tomorrow and, and um, we need to, I'll be, we need to get chairs over and other chairs over and sound equipment, and all that fun stuff. So we'll be working on that tomorrow and uh, getting all that ready and, extension cords and no generator this year. I was saying that yesterday. No generator this year. No noise. What? So that'll be in a... It's ready. Okay. So, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, so be praying for the week if you would. Pray. I know you have been. And so, uh, we've just <clears throat> got quite a bit to get going here. Got a lot of uh, special music set up and different people that have uh, that are wanting to sing this week and uh, thankful for that. So, uh, Martin is not going to. Uh, oh, I didn't tell you. I forgot to tell you. Oh, 
Will you forget to kill me? Yeah, they, no. Yeah, so <laughs> anyway. Uh, so anyway, I'm looking forward to the week. I am I'm excited for for the church to uh, be able to get to know Brother Weedo and he's a he's a special special servant of God. He really is. And so be praying for him. All right. Well let's be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. And uh, Brother Jack, would you close us tonight?